<sighs> He's clever. He is clever. Don't underestimate Fitz and his power to find music. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Hey, welcome back everybody, and welcome to the show. I want to start this episode real quick with a shout out to an appreciation to our listeners. Uh, last week, episode 13 was our biggest, most popular episode ever, with uh, judging by downloads and and. Uh, web traffic, and just wanted to give an appreciation to all our listeners who gave us feedback and have been with us since the beginning, and any new listeners that come up. We do really appreciate it, and we appreciate any feedback you give us, good or bad. We, we enjoy doing the show, and we have fun with ourselves, but it's also nice to know that somebody else is out there listening to us, uh, even if we don't pay them all that well. And again, thank you, everybody. Episode 13 was our most downloaded episode ever, so... That's that's awesome. Thank you so much, and hopefully we just keep going on from there. Well, anyways, uh, forgot the introductions. Uh, joining us as usual is uh, Lee Ray. Hello, everybody. And Terry Dunn. Hello there. Hey, thanks for joining. I see that Horizon Hobbies has had a busy week lately. They have two big announcements. Uh, the first one is the new A10, the little UMX. A10 bind and fly. It has something like what a 20 inch wingspan, a couple of 28 millimeter fans, and it, the videos of it flying around have been fantastic. It's, it looks like a wonderful little guy. I've seen the ads that you're talking about, and the first thing I thought was how it compares to the micro A10 that you already have. Have you compared the specs? Uh, a little bit. This one seems a little bit bigger than the one I ha that I have. The one I have is some sort of no-name brand I got from Asia, uh, and it uses the fans, the same fans that are in the F-86 from Great Plains. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Horizon already has uh, the MiG-15 and the Micro Habu, so it's not those same fans? Uh, no, these are actually ones I got from uh, the, is it, you know the F-86? Oh, you're saying one? your current A-10 uses the other ones yeah is that uh, okay i think that's what you were I mean, asking right no well i was i thought you meant that the horizon one was using the same fans as the the f86 and that just seemed odd oh no 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 i'm sorry you were asking about the little the micro one you saw it best yes yes that one is clutched together using aftermarket stuff it didn't come with fans so i found that the fans that came with the f86 uh micro f86 from great plains fit just perfectly in the cells so i use those because and my are those brushed or brushless? They're brushless, a little tiny brushless okay. motor in it. Uh, my poor F eighty six died a horrible death, and so I decided to gut it. I bought an extra fan unit and stuck them in. Uh, so this one is a little bit bigger. Plus, it has working rudders, so this is that's pretty fancy. Oh, and I assume AS three X. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this has a twenty two inch wingspan. So and what kind of battery is it using? They're saying 400 to 800 milliamp hour battery packs, 2S. 2S? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, the videos look like it flies really nice. I mean, it's just fully aerobatic. Uh, it's got removable landing gear. There's no retracts. So I think 
that would have been a uh, major coup if they could have crammed in some micro retracts in the thing. But uh, it looks yeah, like right. you can just plug them in and out, depending on what you want to do. Well, it sounds like you've already made up your mind. <laughs> I've, I've had a couple of A-10s, and they're great flying planes. This one, I don't know. Uh, it's it's awesome. If I didn't have the little micro one I already have, I'd probably be all over this. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm still undecided. It's it's awesome. I have nothing against it. Just do I want yet another A-10 when I already have one about the same size? It's really qualms. Uh, have so they announced that, a release date yet? Not that I know of. It's on pre-order. I don't remember seeing okay. any type of... Uh, Oh, well, I think later this year. I think probably before Christmas, I think. Okay. Well, Lee's awfully quiet. What do you have against A-10s, Lee? I have nothing against A-10s. I was enjoying y'all's conversation and talking about it. Okay. Yeah, I've always liked the A-10. It's, uh, it's a, as, a, as a model, it flies really good. It's a ducted fan. I mean, make a great ducted fan trainer. And as a military machine, it, it's just... If you ever look up the details and the history of the thing, it's just fantastic. It's a pretty amazing plane. Unfortunately, the Air Force keeps trying to kill, uh, despite that it's they have nothing that's as useful or durable as this thing. Well, no one's mentioned its its name, and that's called Tank Killer. Tank Killer. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I've always loved it. I've, I love watching it uh, at, at air shows. It's got a great sound to it, and I've got a couple of friends who are diehard A10 fans. Uh, I don't have an A10, and I know was it GWS had one. Yeah, I had. Time? Yeah, I had one of those, the GWS ones. And I, I never jumped on it. I certainly appreciate it, and you know, if I wanted to get into a micro, I might, uh, you know, get something like this. Although I have the Great Plains or Hobby Zone F86, and as far as a micro EDF, I I enjoy that, so I don't have a desire to fill my collection with another one. But uh, is, does somebody else make a an A10 with brushless motors a little bit bigger than this? Something more like a three foot wingspan. There's they kind of jump up into the 64 mils, but I think uh, Freewing and FMS both have one. I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, if I if I you know if I wanted to get an A10 and, and get another EDF, I wouldn't mind. But I think I'd want something bigger than a UMX. Although I like reading the specs when you guys sent this to me, and for some reason I really thought the one you had at best fits was like this. I thought you were maybe demoing it. So I never studied the one you had enough. But, I mean, I like the fact that this does have the little uh, AS3X because something that size might need it. And uh, I haven't watched the video yet, but I bet that's a fun little plane. Especially if you like the A10. What a great, it has some great detail to it. Yeah, it does. Are you saying Fitz is secretly working for Horizon? I told you not to tell okay. anybody. Is that your I'm accusation? Sorry. I, darn it. I wasn't supposed to say that, was I, Fitz? I'm sorry. Well, I think they sent him to to figure out your problem with safe. <laughs> he's the guy on the inside. Great. So he's the one getting all my uh, comment on the side right. about it. Yeah, I'm secretly spying on you. All your secrets yes. are now theirs. Uh, well, I wasn't secretly hiding it. <laughs> right. You're only broadcasting it. Yeah, but all that stuff you told me offline. <laughs> well, I just read here it's uh, next shipment late November, so hopefully before Christmas. That might be a nice stocking stuffer for some folks out there who are A10 lovers. And what's the price point on this guy? Only 150 It's a bind and fly. Okay, well, that's not bad. Let's carry that bind and fly story over a little later, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. Versus RTF. Yeah. Well, the second thing from Horizon is their convergence. 
Now, this one has gotten a lot of buzz, uh, despite, uh, I've, I thought I've seen stuff like this before, but it sounds like the Horizon has done a really good job of making an a inclusive package. And this, of course, is their vertical takeoff and landing, kind of a tricopter thing, but it's also an airplane with the motor swing into the forward position. It flies around like an airplane, it looks like a delta wing kind of plane. So it's got two motors in the front and one in their tail. And so you can take off and land vertically and then fly around like an airplane and then transition back into the hover mode. All seamlessly, all computer controlled just by flipping a switch. And, uh, it looks very aerobatic, very fast, but also can carry a camera and transmitter and all kinds of stuff on it. It looks like a really neat plane. Uh, uh, I know my uh, photographer Jeff, when he saw that, his wallet practically jumped out of his pants because he, <laughs> he, <laughs> he really wants it. <laughs> All right, so the same battery of questions there. Have they announced a release date? Uh, oh, late November. So about yeah. the same time. It, yeah. it says mid-November, early December. And plug-and-play only? No, there's two versions. There's a bind-and-fly and then the plug-and-play, if I correctly. Okay. Now, just glancing at it, it looks like only the forward two motors tilt, and the back one stays vertical. Yeah, that's what I saw in the video. It looks only in the front two. Okay, so I guess in forward flight, the back one just shuts down? I presume so. I uh, would disagree. Wouldn't that maybe... I don't know. I, I say I disagree. Now I'm going to be proven wrong. I was wondering if they were using that for elevators. No, the the, the description says it has elevons. So I would... Okay. If you have elevons, yeah. you don't need a third motor. Now, what cool things you could do, though, if you allowed that thing to be bound to your elevator. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe do some kind of mix and just really <laughs> shake things up. Now, they say that it has differential thrust for rudder effect in forward flight for the two oh, motors okay. in the front. Okay. So it's not like oh, you can do something. You know someone's going to do that, though. Someone's going to find a way to bind that motor in the tail to do some cool stunts. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I imagine you could do some neat stuff with it. There's already going to be a whole bunch of mixing going on there, probably internal to the receiver or whatever. So Yeah. If it's not integrated, I don't know how easy it would be to apply anything else. You know, these guys that tinker with like uh, Ardu Pilot or something, they could probably make their own yeah, stuff, and then they will they make homebrew and hack it or something like that. I I like this. I was watching the Facebook announcement. Uh, you know, they were doing a lot of teasing early on, uh, several days before the reveal. I think <laughs> it actually made some people mad because they wanted to see it right away. And I, I like this. I like that we're we're showing some different designs out there. I think it's a it's going to appeal to some people who just want something different. And I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I think some people will buy it to show off, you know, to bring something to the field that nobody else has yet and, and play with it. And as, you know, Fitz and I were mentioning, someone's going to get their hands on it to tinker and make it do some crazy things. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, Michael, who used to come to Best, and he had that huge foamy Telemaster. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And it would it would fly in weird ways that it shouldn't have. <laughs> and we were all like, oh, my God, how's he doing that? And then I think he had a maybe a twin star with streamers on it, and he had differential thrust, and that thing was just, you know, it was just neat to watch. And I'm, I kind of look forward to seeing some people, hopefully, at the field have one of these and, and play with it. I'm not sure I would put it in my collection, but I think it's it's very interesting. No, it's not a completely new concept. No. At least for RC. There was a model that came out a year, maybe two years ago, called the um, Firefly by Bird's Eye View 
aerobotics is what they call it. But same concept. It's got two motors in the front, actually four because they're paired coaxial things. So it's six motors. But um, four of those are on the front on a beam that rotates to transition from vertical to horizontal flight. And then in the back, it's got a single pair of motors that remains vertical that shuts down in forward flight. But it's a flying wing. It's made for uh, as a AP platform. But it's just a much bigger and I think more complex model. Not really for sport flying. So check it out. Yeah, I did. I just pulled it up. I don't remember ever seeing this thing. Yeah, little counter counter rotating motors. Yep. Yeah, it's the nice thing about airplane mode. You have a long motor time. You can throttle back and just sort of put put around. And, uh, and or if you need to cover a lot of ground, yeah, for whatever task you're doing, yeah, you can do it at faster speed and more efficiently. I doesn't say anything about any type of gimbal or stabilization. So I imagine it's just the camera's hard mounted into the fuselage somewhere. Yeah, back when this thing was being released, I talked to the guys who were developing it, and um, at the time they were only hard mounting, but they had some gimbal designs that they were working with. So I think the tiny gimbals weren't quite where they wanted them yet, so I don't know if they've made any progress on that. I agree with you guys. It's a really neat concept, especially at this size for sport flyers. But I think it's going to live or die on how well the software has been implemented into it. If it's a pain in the rear, like, um, you know, I'm not to bash safe, but I'm not a fan of all the safe products. So if, if it's integrated well into here, I think it'll sell well. If it's kind of quirky, I think it'll flop. Just my two cents. Well, we'll see when it comes out. And I think the key is the transition from from a quad flight or I guess tri motor flight to forward flight, hovering flight to forward flight. Yeah, they they the way they describe it apparently it's all done pretty much automatically. Other than you telling it to go from uh, hover to forward flight, uh, it's all computer control, stabilization, that kind of stuff. So right, you just flip the switch and yeah, watch it go. Doesn't yeah. seem like there's intermediate mode. It seems like it's either in forward flight mode or uh, hover mode. Now that would be kind of neat if you could get the motors at you know a forty-five degree angle for slow forward flight. Or yeah, something like that. That would be that would be neat. It'd be really neat if you can make all the motors go in different directions. So one's going forward, one's going <laughs> up. Have <laughs> that thing do some sort of death blossom in the air. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be interesting to to see this come out and yeah. um, really explore it. Yeah, I agree. So who's going to be the first to get one? Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeff said he was already going to put one on pre-order or something like that. We'll see. We'll, we'll live see vicariously one. through him. Yeah. And if Jeff has one, you will too, basically. Yes. So lastly, Flightline RC, uh, they're distributed by Motion RC, uh, has a TA-152 model that just came out. And it was a bit of a surprise. If you're not familiar with the TA-152, it's basically a Falco of 190 that's been stretched in both length and wingspan. Uh, it was designed for a high altitude intercept fighter, and it had a V engine, correct? Uh, yes, I believe it had either the Daimler Benz or one of the other uh, other V engines that they used at the time. A uh, Junkers, uh, maybe Junkers Juno, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Despite having a round cowl, it had a, it had an inline engine. All the later models, one nineties had that engine. Um, 
And I saw some videos of it. That sucker is fast. It moves along really quickly. And it looks like they did a really nice job with the paint scheme and that kind of stuff. Even though it's kind of an unusual model to see. Uh, looks like they did a pretty good job with it. The only thing is it's a little on the small side for something like this. It's 51-inch span, which is not tiny, but... Uh, some guys were saying it would be nice if it was a little bit bigger, maybe a 60-inch span, because it's got these nice, long, glider-like wings almost. But uh, it's it comes, apparently you can use 3S and 4S, 22, 2500 milliamp hour battery pack on it, and, and really get it to zip along really quickly. So that means 4S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I had it, it'd be only 4S. With something out of the box, I, I agree, this looks really good. The models are getting so good now, what direction do you have to go with it once you get it to make it your own? How do you mean? Like, uh, let, let me ask it this way. When this shows up on your doorstep, what are you going to do to it? How are you going to fitsify it? Oh, yeah, not a whole lot. Maybe the prop, or are you talking about cosmetically? Whatever. I personally would just probably throw a battery back in it and fly around first and see how it flew, and then go from there. Uh, I might play with the props a little bit to see better performance. They had a couple different props, and I thought maybe I had a better idea for a prop. Other than that, paint, change the paint scheme maybe. If they look, oh, you would repaint it? Uh, I don't know. <sighs> I got a couple planes already I need to repaint. Uh, for example, I got that little, uh, I think it's FMS Tony, the little Key 61. All right. And... I was just fine with it the way it was, but then somebody else in the club showed up with one. So now I'm thinking, well, i got to repaint it to be a totally different paint scheme because I don't want to have two of the same color at the field. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and Lee, you were talking about the old GWS A10. Yeah, GWS A10 model. And what pops in my head is back in those days, it was like a blank canvas. You, you get a model that kind of looks like an A10, but you've got a lot of latitude to to make changes to it, to make it better, or, or at least look different. So, I don't know if I miss those days or not, because I can appreciate the quality of this new stuff coming out. It just seems like it's more of a finished product than than I would normally go for. Yeah, it would be nice if, I don't know if this one does it or not, if the decals are not pre-applied, it gives you a little more options for painting. Uh, but you mentioned the, the, the GWSA 10, and that's exactly what I did with mine. It was a, I think it came as white or just gray. And ended up painting it a custom paint job um, based off of the Connecticut Air National Guard. They had a neat design with a lightning, a black lightning bolt on the side. It was just a really neat paint scheme for it. And, and it gave me an opportunity to custom paint it. And I've done that with uh, the new Mirage 2000 that Freewing, I believe, makes. You guys familiar well, with that? Right. You were changing it to a, another model. Yeah, I actually converted it to a kefir, which has little tiny canards, and I completely redid the paint scheme. It was just all shades of gray when I got it. Now it's uh, a sort of a yellow and green camouflage on the top with the big black orange triangles and uh, gray on the bottom. And it, it really brought the plane out alive, made it easier to see, and it really personalizes it. So I'm not against doing that. I, I like doing that on occasion. And I got custom gra decals from Calligraphics for it. And the canards didn't require too much redesign or rebalance? No, not at all. No, it flew just fine. I think I shifted the CG forward just slightly. Uh, and that was Are they functional? No, they're not. 
But they weren't. Oh. They were not on the real one either. No, no kidding. Yeah. Then what's the point? Uh, Just to tame the stall. Yeah, it made it easier to land, if I remember correctly. Uh, and uh, I forgot what else what it was. So it, it improved the handling in certain conditions by adding these little canards on it. Interesting. Is Lee around? <laughs> fall off. I, I, I'm right here. I'm just listening to you guys. He's, he's saving all his energy for the next segment. All right. Yeah. yeah. He's he's just he's got his soapbox all polished and ready to go and he's he's got his thesaurus out. Yeah. He's looking up words. He's he's, words he's, is, he's printed out his pocket constitution and he's going to If I if you were asking me for my opinion on the Falkwoof, I I will tell you. I uh, I pulled up some images of the real thing and it didn't offer many different paint schemes. I guess it's cuz it didn't have a long run. No, they didn't make um, very many of them. It's yeah, late. They were run out of paint by then. Yeah, <laughs> and pilots. A lot of them are just green and brown. But I will say, there's a couple of different spinner uh, designs out there that I think would be unique. Uh, a lot of them with the spiral spinner, um, and none of the photos that I see of it ever show it carrying any drop tanks or bombs. So it really was just a, I guess, a, a close fighter. Well, when it came out in the war, it came out late war. There really wasn't anywhere to go but up as far as uh, needing a drop tank, because basically France had been invaded and allies were everywhere, so they were just basically in defense mode. They didn't have gas to put in anyway. Yeah, they didn't have gas to put in anyways. And Germans weren't really known for, for adding drop tanks and stuff to their planes for some reason. They, they, they never thought that they would be going all that far to need a lot of... They had them in some of their planes, but it just was more of an afterthought than anything. So then my question to you, Fitz, is what appeals to you about this particular RC model? It's just uh, that it's a, pl- a company has come out with an unusual model, uh, and I think that's kudos to them. I like unusual stuff, and I like to see things that are not another P-51, not another Zero, not another Corsair. This is something that's a little bit eccentric, but still pretty neat. I agree, and I think it's a very well-done paint job with a lot of good detail and maybe with that wingspan she's a little you know a little more stable it's pretty pretty wild isn't it yeah it is it's 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 very distinctive yeah so now that it's a mass-produced arf does that kind of take away the uniqueness of it no i don't think so okay i don't i don't think it's I mean, even if it's mass-produced, I can't imagine I'd... I know a lot of friends who would buy it, so I think at the fields, you know, where I'm flying, it'd be unique if someone had it, and that unique person will be Fitz. Right. <laughs> you know, there was some guy who's been working on a, a super-scale 51-inch wingspan model of this for two years, made out of balsa and you know, 3D-printed parts, and then he saw this. He's like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I encourage it, right? I hope they come out with more unusual models and stuff that you don't normally see. Yeah. I agree. And uh, Maxford, USA, they're fabulous about that. Yeah, they are. I was are. at their site the other day. I'm like, man, they have almost everything they have is unique. So kudos to them. I hope they sell a bunch of them. Yeah. They, speaking of Maxford, I just saw that they're having a sale on some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've marked down some of their stuff quite a bit, which they normally do around the holiday season. So if you see something you like, it might be a good time to pick it up. Yeah, I've been eyeballing their Hawkeye for a while, the E2. I believe that's also one of them that's on sale. 
Yeah, I can't decide if it if the novelty of having the dome would wear off quickly or or not. But I'll check it out. My son brought the Champ S Plus to Best, and we had been flying it around, and he reported uh, one incident in the air, but it didn't seem to be too big of a problem because he, he got it back. But when he was landing, and he was right at his feet, that thing, I mean, didn't it touch the ground? Didn't it touch the runway and then take off? Or was uh, it right if, right before it It was close, yeah. and it was consistent. It was doing it at the same spot every time. Yeah, he was coming right at him, and it was a nice coming, you know, nice final. And that thing just took off and flew away. He got control again, and uh, I was not close to him at the first time, but the second time when he got close to him, uh, I know I kind of freaked out a little bit because that thing just, I mean, peeled up into the air right in front of us to turn around back in the sky. So I grabbed the controller from him, and he had claimed, you know, I did, I didn't do anything, I didn't push the auto land button, and I, I believed him. Um, but I was concerned it was going to do it again. So the next time I, I forced that thing down fast and I went up to it and grabbed it before it, it decided to fly away again. And it, it, did, it was acting as if it had hit a virtual fence, even though we were standing right next to it. So I had put a call back to Horizon Hobby about it and basically made some posts on RC groups that are the same thread because other people had reported flyaways. And in this, you know, in my opinion, this was considered a flyaway, even though we got it back, um, that, you know, I wanted to get my money back. I just didn't think that the technology was working properly. So I got a, I got a call, not a call, excuse me, I got an email from someone at Horizon that had said, you know, we've had issues with the RTF transmitter, the small e-flight transmitter that comes with it, and highly recommended we switch to a Spectrum transmitter. I've got several Spectrums, and in fact, uh, Austin has a DX7. We chose not to use the DX7 with the Champ because he wanted to have the Champ S Plus in a box complete so he could just take the box, go somewhere and fly, and not have to worry about having the DX7. But I bound the, the Champ a couple of weeks ago and finally got a, a flight out at the field, and it flew fine. We didn't have any problems. I did notice that the command we entered into the Champ S Plus to keep it indoor mode had not saved because it went back to outdoor mode. So I had to do that again. So that's a concern that it's not saving the last mode. But all the flights I had performed at the field were successful. No attempt to fly away. The stabilization feature was working fine. The setup has the option for basic or expert mode, and they both worked. And I kind of like the, the basic mode that if you get, you know, if you're struggling, you can flip it on, it'll auto-level auto itself. But our intent was just to fly it as an upgraded original champ. So at this point, and I have made my claim to RC groups, I think if you have the RTF version, you need to dish... Yeah. <laughs> you need to diss the RTF uh, transmitter. I think it's uh, not doing very well. I, I think the issue is that it, the signal strength is not enough, and it's causing the plane to do the virtual fence because it thinks it's too far. And 
that's it. I mean, other than that, besides this, you know, these crazy auto flyaway zone, when it flies with the DX7, it it's a fun little plane. I would not want to get rid of it. I just wish they had not had all those features uh, forcibly enabled. That's funny. That kind of parallels Fitz's experience with the Voyager. Yeah. Different brand, but same deal. The The included baby transmitter just wasn't up to snuff. Yeah, I unfortunately had a lot of issues with the included transmitter. Yeah, as soon as I bound it to a normal transmitter, all the problems went away. And I want to go on the record that our original champ, the original Hobby Zone, you know, orange champ, with the RTF transmitter has never given us a bit of grief. It's been a great plane. We crash it, we fix it, it flies. We love it. And the only reason we got the Champ S Plus is because we wanted the ailerons and the brushless motor and the, the more power. We Again, never would have thought about the transmitter being a problem, but after this experience, I, I doubt I'll ever bind a, excuse me, purchase a bind and fly. Uh, I did it again. Never purchase an RTF version again. I think I'll just use our spectrum transmitters and I'm, it makes sense but I think my son's reasoning was also valid to have something that's just very simple and portable to go fly and that just didn't turn out to be the case yeah you know I wonder if even with the original champ you were still getting the occasional I'll pretend like I know what I'm talking about here let's say it missed a couple packets from the transmitter but they would have been of no consequence it just picks up the next one and starts flying again but with the new one, with all that smart technology, it, if it misses one packet, it's like, oh, I better go home. So maybe it's just not smart enough to know what to ignore. Yeah, that's a good point. And sometimes home is also a question because it didn't seem to know where that was. Hmm. Well, talk to the guys who's had their plane fly over a mile away <laughs> and they had to go get it. I don't think that's right. where they were. I don't have an answer for that. All right, so is this a done deal? Is the the Champ S Plus saga concluded? I think so. Uh, again, we'll fly with the DX7, and I put the cricket put the cricket cam from um, ReadyMade RC on his Champ because it's got a little connector for it, and I hooked it up to the TV. So he's looking forward to giving that a try. He likes the plane. We just you know couldn't trust the the technology, and that's. You know, that's kind of sad. I, I think the they put too much in this plane and it didn't need it. But now that we seem to have a handle of, of what the problems were and how we can turn a lot of them off, uh, we're looking forward to flying it. Well, personally speaking, I think that's one of the, the problems with the RC industry today, especially the multi-rotor side. The technology is moving so fast and the, the industry is so competitive that companies want to get this technology out day one. And maybe it doesn't get all the testing that it should, or it's not as refined as it should be. They just want to get it to market. So I think we end up being beta testers a lot of times. Well, you said something, I think you told us about some sort of Halloween event at your club. We had a nice little Halloween event. Uh, one of our, our, well, I say one of our, uh, our VP, Brad, uh, loves Halloween. He and his wife uh, had tried it last year and had to reschedule it several times, but the weather did not cooperate. So I think they went uh, even more overboard with it, but it was very fun. We didn't get to go uh, early enough, so we kind of showed up at the tail end, but they just did a great job of decorating the field. Uh, they had a lot of family and friends there, so a lot of kids, 
the food was great. Uh, it was it was fun. It was a good club get together. And one of the little special treats he gave everybody was taking his uh, night plane. Um, gosh, I'm not sure which one he had. It was a, a fairly large foamy. And he had a Bombay door that he filled with candy. And on the candy were little LEDs he attached. Oh, wow. And so he took it up, and it was a bit windy, and I was kind of surprised how high and how far he was, but he nailed the drop because uh, once that candy came down, it was very pretty. It was almost, like, too slow because it was just kind of odd to see these lights just not come straight down. They kind of flickered and, and all over the runway. But the kids loved going out there. Austin was with me, too, so they went out there. And, of course, Austin was, like, just looking for the LEDs. <laughs> he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't care about the candy. He's like, I need to get all these LEDs. I might use them. Um, <laughs> but it was neat. And uh, I, I think that's something, if you have a club and you're trying to look for something to do, that's a fun type of scenario. You, you had a theme or a holiday, and you were able to find a way to use your aircraft to make it enjoyable. And a little candy drop with LEDs at night was a lot of fun. Can, can, a night bomb drop. That's mm-hmm. nice. That is cool. Can, can you describe right. how the LEDs were built? Well, I didn't see them up close, but I, I had talked to Brad about it, how something uh, I had been planning, and that was I have a little Bombay door on a slow stick, and I picked up a whole bunch of those three-volt ba- watch batteries. And then you can just take an LED with the lo- the leads, slide it right down, then tape it on there, and it stays on. And you can just make a whole bunch of those and put them in there. So I'm not sure if he went to a hobby store or a, like a craft store and bought a whole bunch of little, you know, like rings or jewelry type LEDs and, and, and attached them. But it was neat. I think there were maybe like 20, 20 or 30 of the LEDs in his bomb bag. Hmm. Huh. That's cool. So we have to, to one-up him. So maybe Night Arrowtoe? Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and then make the, the actual line lit, too. Yeah, you, I think you would have to. At least somewhat. All right. That's it for whenever. Any, any of you guys go to an event this weekend or past weekend? I went two weekends ago. My club here in Lubbock had one of our two annual events. This was West Texas Jets which is open to any ducted fan, turbine, or turboprop-powered model. There were a few EDFs, but it was mostly turbine-powered models. I don't think we had any... uh, No, it was just turbines and EDFs. But lots of cool stuff. And I'm always surprised out here in the middle of West Texas, there's some really nice models, especially turbine stuff. So a high percentage. a lot of fast flying, a lot of sport flying, cool stuff. A lot of warbirds too. And, and do you have picks? Um, sort of. The weather was good for flying, not so good for taking pictures. It was overcast. So um, actually when you were helping me learn how to process photos the other day, those were from that event. So I need to see if I can salvage any and I'll put them up. Yeah, we should put a little gallery on our Facebook page. Yeah. Now, I may be opening a can of worms here, but did how did they mix the EDFs with the turbines? Did they mix them okay, or did they uh, separate? There again? were, I forget how many people, maybe 20 people there flying. So it was loose enough that you could just wait your turn and go solo. There were times when there were a couple turbines flying at the same time, but usually you didn't have to wait long if you wanted the sky auto yourself. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I didn't see any instances of 
a EDF and a turban flying together. Oh, okay. I actually had. And they probably would have discouraged that. They try to keep performance relatively similar with what's in the sky. Hmm. Well, I had my own little event. I don't know if I mentioned before, though, that in my club we have meetings every month and people bring in their models. And I started noticing that quite a few club members started bringing in boats to show off and some really nice stuff. And so I decided to organize our own little uh, boat event for all the club members to come to a local park and we would just kind of puddle around with our own little boats and stuff. And I ended up getting a pretty good turnout, actually. And we had maybe a dozen or uh, people show up with a whole bunch of boats, and we had sailboats, power boats, uh, even a submarine. And you can probably hear that jet behind me. This was air show weekend in my area, so they're flying around. Can you name the jet by its sound? Uh, it's a jet that's in an airplane. <laughs> the only one I could ever identify definitively was uh, the F-4, because it was so dadgum loud and yeah. rare. And then I guess the T-38s were easy to identify, too. But anyway, continue yeah. your story. This is definitely military, the way he's flying around. But anyways, so it was a, we had a great weather, and so we, we ended up uh, launching a few new boats. A couple of guys showed up with some sailboats that they'd never sailed before. And we had to do surgery on one. We had one that wouldn't turn, and we figured out that he had too much foresail, so we removed one of the jibs because he had two of them. Uh, and it much performed much better. We, everybody had a good time at the at the little pond, and they were all asking to do it again at some point. So I'm gonna have to organize another one. But it was a kind of a great thing. There's, I I started thinking about it, and there's a couple of club members that really haven't flown anymore or stopped flying due to uh, just tough them to get out or eyesight problems and stuff. But they all seem to have like really do. They like the hobby, and so boats seem to be a nice relaxing thing for guys that. Uh, maybe not keen to do much flying anymore uh, but still want to be in a hobby and you can you can a couple of guys showed up with some really nice boats that were built out of wood and planked and varnished and so, so, so it's almost like building airplanes you can build an airplane out of wood you can build a boat out of wood and have something really nice and sell it on the water and have a good time with it so i really appreciated the guys in our club coming out and then we all had a good time and i look forward to doing it again Cool. What did you take? I took two sailboats, an old powerboat that I had forever, and the submarine was mine. I took my little sub, sub out there, which the guys had a kick out of watching. At one point, it was funny because one guy brought a PT boat, and I had to sub out, and so we had <laughs> <laughs> a PT boat patrolling around on a German sub. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Roughly the same scale? No, no, they're way off scale. I think uh, uh, you have to get a little force perspective. Yeah, it was force perspective, definitely. The sub was a much smaller scale. It's funny you bring that up, Fitz, because I was thinking uh, before my dad died, he purchased uh, a fairly large, I'm going to guess it was almost three foot long PT boat. It was a plastic PT boat with dual DC brush motors, and he never finished it. I I didn't partake in it, so I think I, I sold a couple of RC things, you know, a couple of years later, and, and including the PT boat. But I, I look back and I say, you know what, that's probably something I should have hold on, should have holled it onto. I I wasn't doing boats back then, so uh, it didn't interest me. But now, I mean, I've got a sailboat now. I haven't sailed it yet because I'm I've, I've got a friend who 
uh, does a lot of regattas. I think I mentioned him before. Mm. And uh, I need to get with him to learn more about it. So, um, but yeah, I think that'd be neat. I'd, I'd certainly like to know more about your submarine someday because, you know, we have a pool and Austin's always been talking about it. He bought a little tiny one, you know, over on, on the shelf type, you know, toy. But yeah, I think that'd be neat to have. Yeah, they're neat. It's a bit of a neat project. It basically, it's self-converted, uh, very not much off-the-shelf parts. I just kind of made parts and clutched things together. Did a lot of research, and started with plastic models. And uh, I have a little sub, a little from a plastic model that has a, a syringe that you to you give it adjustable ballast, so it can pull water in and out and dive. And it's a really neat project. So I've had a lot of fun playing with them. So, yeah, I'll have to talk about them someday in a future show or something. Yeah, Fitz, cool. are you sure you're not under attack? Sounds like it. I fully expect to, to hear uh, machine gun sounds and trees exploding or something. Because they've been flying for quite a while. Yeah, if you get knocked offline, we'll know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they do a they do a air show today for special groups like VIP or our kids. So Right. And, and what we haven't really told anybody yet is what is going on. Uh, I mean, I'm saying this, but Fitz is closer than I am. <laughs> but Wings Over Houston is happening this weekend over at Ellington. Uh, well, they don't call it Air Force anymore. They just call it Ellington, right? Field. Ellington Field. Yeah. And so there's a, a show, a private show on Fridays. And then Saturday and Sunday is open for the public. And Mr. Ray here will be there tomorrow morning early at about 6 a.m. doing uh, sunrise photos and then heading over to a private uh, photo area called the Photo Pit that was only uh, enacted about six, seven years ago. So like the second year that they ran it, I walked by and said, what's this all about? And they said, oh, yeah, if you have money, you can pay to get in and like show me where, show me who I pay. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, that's exactly it fits. So, uh, I mean, this is great. It's just a little uh, south of, of Midline there. I mean, uh, but it's right up against the field. They offer lunch. Uh, they have a limited number of tickets. They have bleachers for the photographers. There are some people who have great equipment there. It's it's neat to see uh, everybody who's there. Uh, there's a video I have online, which I thought is hilarious. Is a time lapse I did of being there, watching the photographers go left and right because it's a huge wide angle. <laughs> it's a time and it's hilarious to me. I, I always enjoy it. It's got the blue angels flying too. So uh, I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow and. Hoping to get a, a lot of photos because it looks like it'll be a really, really good year. There's a lot more planes listed on the, the display show list, and the weather should be spectacular. Well, when I lived in Houston, um, the Friday and the Thursday before the air show were always my favorite days because the building that I worked in was on the opposite border of the airport, right along the fence there. So me and several other of my coworkers would go out back when they were practicing, and You'd have the Blue Angels doing their turnaround. I mean, it felt like they were right on top of you. Full afterburner. It was amazing. <sighs> <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. I'll send you some pics for you. It'll help you feel Thanks. a little, no, awesome. little memory there. And, of course, Fitz right now is, he can just walk outside and watch it right now. Yeah, pretty much yeah. in the pattern for their an approach, though. Yeah, the building, the house is shaking when they fly over. Yeah. I like to I like to also take this time to mention to some people who, uh, if you're not from Texas or Houston area, uh, Wings Over Houston's been around for almost 30 years, 
And one thing that I, I hope will help generate more um, attention to it is the, the Lone Star Flight Museum that is currently located in Galveston. Um, they made the decision to move out after uh, Ike because it really damaged uh, a ton of planes. All, they were lucky, though. They got a lot of planes out, but uh, you know several were damaged. The whole facility was ruined. I had been there just the year before. Uh, taking a whole bunch of pictures, so I know how how devastating that was. But they're moving their facilities to Ellington. They broke ground, I think, over the summer. Do you know if that's fits? Did you happen to see anything on the news about that? Uh, actually, the curator is a member of our plastic model group. He's moved up, and so yes, they've already started construction. Um, although I haven't seen a whole lot built yet, uh, but supposedly they've they've already. Everything's all arranged, and so it's just it's work in progress. Yeah, I'll I'll see. I know where they're. I know where it's supposed to be, and I'll I'll check on it tomorrow, and and you know bring an update, of course, when I post photos. But uh, I mean that that that's great. I mean it's nice to have a facility that will really bring Ellington. Um, yeah. Uh, more alive, I guess. It's been. I for me, it's always been a quiet air air base, except if there's an air show. But I think with Lone Star there, I'm really looking forward to having it become a, a much larger air show. I think. What are there any other air shows in Texas that are bigger than Wings Over Houston? Hmm, I don't know. Good question. Yeah. So the fact that we get the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds almost every year that, that should speak volumes about yeah. the, the the size. And I was lucky to was it not two years ago, three years ago, I was invited as a media. A uh, member from another uh, RC fan that I, uh, I thank her so much for inviting me and let me do some other uh, private events. But I got to go through some of the hangars and the private hangars, and wow, mm. there's some really incredible planes that uh, sit. I thought you were going to say you got a backseat ride in an F-18. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get no. But I got to meet some incredible people, and the, some of the planes that are there, they should be, uh, you know, they should be seen and appreciated. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be great. I, I, I'm looking forward to when Lone Star Flight Museum opens up there. We should note that it's probably, it's going to, it's becoming more of a nexus of that because not only is the Lone Star there, we have a, a branch of the Commemorative Air Force is there and the Collins Foundation right. is there. And the yep. Collins Foundation is known for not only their classic planes that they have flying, but they have a replica ME-262 that they fly around as well. Oh, is that at Ellington? I don't think it's based here anymore. I think it's based in Florida, okay. but it's been here several times. But they often. have an F-4 and an F-100 and a Huey and yes. an A-4. Yes. You can buy time in those. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think the F-4 was like 10000 an hour. Most of that going for gas. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fuel. Yeah. And, and somebody, a per, privately, uh, privately owned MiG-21 is here too somewhere. Right. So there's a yeah, lot lots of, of stuff. neat stuff at Ellington. Yes. It is a very eclectic airport. Yeah, and not to mention the NASA planes, which has some really goofy stuff too. So I, speaking of unusual airplanes, I wonder how Lone Star is going to move their B fifty eight from Galveston up the highway. Oh, it's not there anymore. Oh, where is it? Yeah, it's been. I think they either sold it or loaned it off somewhere. It's not. It's not into. They sold anymore. it. Oh man. Yeah, yeah I know. sorry, Dis- Terry. Disappointed on that too, but yeah, they they got rid of it. Uh, I think the they give the Air Force has it back. I think I can't remember the specifics, okay. but yeah. But apparently, okay. they're a fairly good home. But yeah, they've been reworking a lot of their aircraft. They sold a bunch off. I think I think they acquired something too. But uh, yeah, after the hurricane, it really made major changes to their uh, lineup. 
Gotcha. All right, on the workbench. I think we've gone a couple episodes without a workbench segment. So, what you guys got on the workbench? You're way past due to see what's what we're all up to. Huh? Well, I'm I'm gonna follow up with some the the humor that uh, Terry made about me and going to Best and how I empty my hobby shop, and he made the reference that whenever I go to Best, he imagines my hobby shop is completely empty. <laughs> it, it wasn't th- it, it wasn't that empty, was it, Terry? When you, <laughs> when you no no, there's still plenty of stuff in there. <laughs> anyway, but every time I wouldn't want to walk through it with the lights turned off. <laughs> crunch, crunch, smash. So yes, I bring a lot of stuff with me to Best, and I will say yes, this was a good year for me to bring stuff because Terry did mention that there was always a tool being used or someone borrowing stuff. But when I get back from Best, it's a good time for me to uh, take inventory, clean up it, and so I uh, I spent that time cleaning off my workbench completely. And finally, uh, gosh, I looked on RC groups to when I started the thread, and it was four years ago. <laughs> so I uh, slacker. Yeah, I am a slacker. So I have a Craft Air Golden Eagle, uh, 100-inch, uh, I'd say dynamic glider, but uh, it, it's it's not a, a real thermal-type uh, aircraft. It, it does penetrate well, but uh, my dad had it, and the, the joke in our family is my dad built a Golden Eagle years ago. My brother got his hands on it and decided to put it together and fly it, and he used a hollow aluminum wing rod. <laughs> and put it on the high start and the wings just folded up <laughs> and i was like what I, I didn't know he put that in there so i was with him and i got to experience this for myself and so that was a totaled aircraft but my dad then bought another one and so he started working on it uh, a friend of his was working on it and uh it became ours and then when my dad died i just put it away in storage well about four years ago i'd finally decided to get back to work on it so uh it's been a a very long process. So now I've got the Golden Eagle on the workshop. I've got it uh, 99% done because all I'm waiting for right now is to uh, receive a new battery. I'm very tail heavy, so I went ahead and got the biggest receiver battery I could get for it. And then we'll see if I can just add a little bit of nose weight, uh, a tail hook, and then, uh, no, excuse me, a tow hook, and then we'll be done. I'll be looking forward to taking that out to the field. So it looks really good. So, so you're going to you. high start it or tow it up with another plane? Well, I, if Terry was around, I'd use his little truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll high start it. I'll, and, you know, it's something I never thought I'd have to say, but of all the years I've been flying, I've always had a high start in inventory. And about uh, eight years ago, I finally got rid of my last one because I was pretty sure the rubber had deteriorated. So I'll yeah, need they'll to, dry rot. Yeah, I'll need to go buy me a new high start. But that's, you know, that's going to be great. It's going back to my, my roots. That's how I got started. I loved flying gliders. Um I mean, I think it'll be kind of emotional because it's been a very long time since I've done a, a high start launch without my dad, but uh, it'll be it'll be good. I mean, I'm looking forward to flying it, even if I don't. It's not something I fly all the time. Uh, one of those accomplishments that you you kind of you give yourself. You buy a kit for reasons. I still have got two other kits that that remind me of my dad: the uh, Airtronics Aquila and uh, Astroflight Super Malibu. Two other planes we used to have. 
So, but this will be good. I'll, I'd like to get this sucker in the air, get some good video and photos of it. And it looks good. As Terry said, I'm, I'm really impressed on how well it's, it's, it's looking in, in its final shape. Now, I'm not familiar with the Golden Eagle. How old a design is this? 1981. Ah, it goes back. Yeah, and I think my dad bought the first one in maybe 84, 85. And he also had the, the, the same guy who designed this, designed the Sail Air. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that plane, but that's got over a six-foot wingspan, and wow. my dad had one of those, and boy, it was a great, great glider. Um, I, I let it go to a guy who was working, I'm excuse me, a, a member of like the Houston Hawks, uh, a soaring group here in Houston. Uh, I just was not very good with fiberglass, and it, it had some damage to it, but... It's nice to see that he he was flying it shortly after I gave it to him, um, but yeah, it's it's again I've been reading some reviews on it. It doesn't float well. It it doesn't like slow speed, so it really is more of a, a high speed type glider. But I'm gonna give it a try. <laughs> I can hopefully do better than my brother. <laughs> yeah, keep the wings in one piece. <laughs> keep them on. So uh, we'll post a link to the RC group stud that I have out there and. Uh, I'll let y'all know how it goes. So that's my workbench. On to, on to Fitz. Fitz, what do you got on your workbench? Uh, I got a couple things. Uh, I want to first start with uh, a correction. Uh, last podcast, I kept talking about a flip glider. If you guys remember, I had a chance to try somebody uh, hand launch glider or discus launch glider, but of course, I completely murderized the name. It was not called a flip. It's called an elf. Uh, I don't know what why I had to flip in my mind. I guess I just flipped a bit or something. I don't know. Uh, but it's made by Kennedy Composites, and it's a it's extremely nice plane. And 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 by by luck and chance, uh, somebody was selling one in RC groups uh, the other week. And uh, after a little bit of back and forth, I now have yeah. a Elf glider in my grubby little hands. And, uh, you, do, you do make deals on RC groups, don't you? <laughs> well, I got a story. It's not as good as a deal as it, as it originally was. Uh, <laughs> kind of like my, uh, my little Cessna foam kit that I bought, the, the Cessna yeah. 177. Yeah. It, it's, it's by no fault of the, of the seller. Uh, I got it. He packaged it really well, and I got it. It came with two servos already installed. I was real happy. I said, like, all right, I'll just plug the sucker up, and I'll give it a try. And... The uh, servo connectors, in order to save space, each of the connectors were individual. They're not the normal, um, kind of hard to describe it, but instead of the normal modular plug, he used uh, individual plugs. So there's no plastic housing. <laughs> there's it's no plastic housing. It's just a little connector because there's, there's almost no space in this thing. It's really tight. Yeah. And so he did this to save space, which makes sense. And so I saw that and I said, okay, well, that's no problem. I just got to remember make sure I get the polarity right on the power. Uh, and not mess it up. And lo and behold, I got the polarity wrong. Not paying attention. Okay, you're next, uh, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's, Lee's got one polarity story. Fizz has got one. Terry, can't wait to for next episode. I'm due. So yeah, I plugged the thing up, and I was like, "Why am I? Why am I not getting the the bind light on the receiver?" And then I and see. Why do I smell smoke? Uh, the smoke came why out of the servos. Why do I see smoke? <laughs> yes, the smoke came out of the servos. Oh, no. Yeah. Fortunately, I didn't damage the receiver uh, for some reason. Like, so I guess they have reverse polarity protection in the receiver, but not in the servos. And so both servos smoked. And so Were I, they fancy? 
They were um, diamond servos, D forty sevens. They're not right. too fancy, but they're twenty bucks each. Yeah, uh, and probably more a pain to get to. Or no, actually, on. they're pretty easy to get to. Um, okay, they seem like really nice servos. So, but but the way they they mounted the servos is, I really needed to replace them with the exact same servo. I couldn't just put a cheapie in without a whole bunch of extra work. So I ended up uh, going to uh, Radical RC and, and buying a couple more of the same exact servos. And they just came in yesterday. So I'll be able to, I want to pop them in probably today and give it a flight tomorrow. Really careful how I wire this stupid thing up. But I really look forward to flying the plane because it's a nice plane. But I feel so stupid. It's like, God, it's a rookie mistake, rookie mistake. I haven't done that in decades. Are the connectors color-coded or anything? Yeah, they were. It was just, I thought I had put the negative where I supposed it should have, but I didn't. I don't know why, how I missed it. There was a lot of little connectors, and I didn't double-check it, yeah. and I smoked it. Uh, anyways. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, so it still got a pretty good deal on it, even considering buying the servos, but yeah, I was sort of kicking myself. I was like, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Um, and the second thing is last weekend, uh, last episode, we, we talked about how I bought the, uh, Dynam Grand Cruiser for a pretty good deal at best. And I finally had a chance to fly it. And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 uh, I'm waiting before I go there. Remember I talked oh. about, uh, <laughs> this commercial break after the commercial break, we'll talk about it. Uh, All right, continue. I'm anyways, looking. This, this is so, something I've been looking forward to. So I talked about how I couldn't determine whether or not it had a spar in it. And so it bugged me that the wings were so flippy floppy. So I ended up, I found a, a carbon tube that I had laying around, and I dug a channel in the bottom of the wing and glued in a, a spar in the bottom of the wing. And that seemed to stiffen everything up really quite nicely. It also has an AS3X receiver, and I needed to bind it to my transmitter so i went in and it, the way it's mounted it was kind of really kind of buried in the fuselage and getting the thing out i kind of murderized the mount that it was on so i said i ah, forget it i'll just put in a regular receiver without the as3x and wired everything up and got everything working went out to the field and flew it it flies just fine it's a nice little plane it's, I don't know about yours, leaves, but mine seems to be quite a bit squirrely on the ground. The nose gear is, uh, I need to go look and see what's going on because it was, it was really squirrely on the ground. But in the air, it's a fantastic flying plane. I had a lot of fun with it. I think we had this discussion. I believe that you may have like an earlier version than, than mine. Because mm. I know my wings are not, were not as flexible as yours. So we were thinking maybe. They had made some changes to to the model, so I think I may have read on the on a thread for that that the nose gear on the first version was a little squirrely, oh, okay. kind of kind of as squirrely as the the fly zone, uh, excuse me, the Flightwork P thirty eight, Terry, you know that very right. weird mount. Yeah, that one had a kind of a hokey mount that needed some work, yeah. and I had done some stuff to it before you got your hands on it. And I don't know what you've done to it since. I, hmm. I made some grooves for the uh, collar, so it seems to have helped. I, I try to stay off the nose gear. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I'm glad it flies. Man, you had me on my edge of my seat. I was waiting for you to tell me that your wings folded up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would have felt bad for talking you into buying it. No, no. Once I put the spar in, it stiffened right up. And even flying it, the wings didn't flip around floppy. They weren't flexing or anything like that. It, it was 
that, that did the trick. Uh, so once I get the nose gear sorted out, uh, it'd be really, really nice plane to fly around. Look, you just use it gets good flight time on that three S twenty two hundred. I'm surprised. Yeah, I do. You have problems um, installing the three S twenty two hundred in your plane? I know not, that it's a pretty tight fit for me. Not really. It fits fine. It's a it is a goofy installation. You sort of kind of slide it in, and the wires are all over the cockpit inside. It's not the best. Because <laughs> most I of need your to... airplanes, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. I need got... to put a. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying I need to put a a picture of someone's face on the battery because it goes right up through the <laughs> the cockpit. Yeah, it's <laughs> really terrible because yeah, because you got uh, clear windows, and so you you put the battery in, and suddenly there's wires and stuff all over the front of the cockpit, in front of the pilot's face and stuff. It's it's yeah. I think I'll do that. I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick Terry's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just put the battery in there. But I have yeah. a video on my YouTube channel, Fitz, of my uh, Grand Cruiser flying it. Uh, I do. I really enjoy it. I I took it to Best maybe two years ago. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad I picked it up, and thanks for your advice on it. Uh, I can, I can, I'm gonna, I look forward to many flights on it. Well, pretty sure you'll find a way to fix that nose gear. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look at it. And I, I probably why the guy put an AS3X in it, probably just to settle down the the, the nose gear issue. But uh, I just need to go through it. I was sort of just wanted to fly and see how it flew. And now I'm gonna probably take it apart, work on it. Yeah, well, I'm glad that worked. Cool, Terry, my man. What do you got? Now for something completely different. I've been working on a paper RC plane. And it's not the first time. There was a, a Kickstarter program a couple of years ago for a thing called the Power Up. And it's a, basically a little module with a motor and a, a bang-bang rudder that you put it on a one of their specialized paper airplanes and you could fly it with your smartphone. And I had one of those, and it was okay. Um, I ended up making a couple airframes out of foam, and I liked that better. But they have a new version now that they also financed through Kickstarter that does the same thing, but also adds FPV. And rather than using a, a rudder, it's got two motors, and it uses differential thrust. And I've been testing that. And again, I'm not impressed with how it flies with the paper model, but once I made a little two millimeter Depron airframe that it's really just sheet foam with the edges bent up. It weighs the same as the paper, but it has double the wing area. Then it became a lot of fun to fly. And, hmm. you know, we've talked about Wi-Fi connections before and the, how short they are, but it, it works okay. As long as you keep it in close, it flies well, it's fun. And I'm testing out the limits of it now. Do you have a website or something? I can see photos of this. This is a surprise to me, so I don't know what it looks like. Power Up is the name of the product. I don't know the exact website off the top of my head, but tap I'm tap sure tap. Find it quickly. Oh, now is it that red one? Uh, sure. Power it up. looks like a Star Wars Y-wing fighter without the paper airplane on it. It's a module that's got the electronics in the front and then two booms that go back with the motors. Well, I went to PowerUpToys.com and that server cannot be found. So, <laughs> it's, that's not it. It's currently not in business anymore. I'm seeing this smartphone red plane. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, I can get on their website. PowerUp Airplane VR Drone. The video comes through your cell phone or do you use a normal... Uh... 
Yes, it's a downlink to, I guess, via Wi-Fi down to the phone, and you can fly it line of sight or FPV. And for FPV, it includes the Google Cardboard, which is a headset where you place your phone in it. Oh, right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not crazy about that yet, and the camera has kind of a narrow field of view, so the, I've been doing mostly line of sight, um, so we'll have to... I'm going to reserve judgment on the FPV portion of it now, but... The other day I took it out with the foam airframe and it has separate batteries so you can swap them out. And I flew through both battery packs and get good long run time hmm. just piddling around at the local park and light winds and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like the you idea. You get of... the coolest stuff. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> when you're famous like me, they just send this stuff to you. Famous or infamous? That's the one. Yeah, I get confused. <laughs> Yeah, I like the idea of being able to put it on just your own homemade Depron plane, come up with some good design. Yeah, and I think if, for people who like to tinker with that stuff, it's a it's a good platform for that. Because the first thing I did was just want to emulate the the Delta Wing paper model, but then the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, I could really kind of get yeah. crazy with this. And you have the limitations of center of gravity and a fixed platform for the electronics. So there's some constraints there, but that's half the fun is working through all that. The only thing is the differential thrusting. I've always had issues with model of differential thrust as the only way of turning. How does it work? How well does it work? Uh, quite well in this case. Mm. The motors are only about, I don't know, two or three inches apart, so I didn't think they would be that effective, but it has surprising turning authority. Mm. I'm I'm a big fan of those. We Gosh, I, I'm I'm lost at the name of the company, but there was a, like a Target brand airplane that had differential thrust. That thing, the Airhogs. Okay, was it the Airhog? Okay. Yeah, and they had that biplane model several years ago. That thing was a ton of fun. Well, I had one that we used to fly at the little uh, like a little gathering room at our church when when Austin was a, a kid there, and he, he used to go there. We used to go in there and just fly that thing, and it would last a good long time. So yeah. I've I've had good luck with that. Now it's more more of like a uh, high dihedral fits, so it really mm. was just a floater. Okay, you know, you'd so let yeah, go of the throttle; it would just kind of level itself out. But mm. we, it was very uh, agile. I I liked it. The biplane thing—did it have a gull wing part? Of... Mm, I don't remember oh, okay. that. But it was maybe like six or seven inch wingspan, little foam guy. It looked oh tiny, like not a very nice airplane. But they flew fabulously. Huh. And that's a twenty dollar model. Hmm. Hey, you just reminded me of something, Terry. Hmm. Um, you were in my workshop and you were looking at my awards from Best, and one of them was the smallest plane. Oh yeah. I took the equipment off the Airhog, and did one of those blue babies. Oh okay. And the blue baby was made for one motor in the front, but I just changed it, put the round, just put a round nose in the on the fuselage, and then used the two little motors on the wing to fly that, and that's what got me that award. So this is sounding familiar. Yeah. So yeah, those you should try it, Fitz. You see if you can find one of those little guys and then use the equipment. You'll you'll have a blast. Yeah, sounds a good idea. Oh. Speaking of of also modifications, man, Terry, the the thunder and lightning you made with that UMX gear, I love it. It just it oh, yeah? flies so great. You are skilled at doing those modifications. What took you so long to start flying it? Uh, wind. <laughs> okay. So for those who don't know. I gutted a UMX something. I can't remember if it was the Pitts or the P3. But I took that and just downsized the Thunder Lightning plans to 
like a 21 inch wingspan, something like that, and ported it all over and it flew really well right off the board. I'm going to make a request here. One of those, again, challenge accepted. I would love for you to do a build thread on that. I'll buy you whatever UMX kit you bought, use that from, but I think it'd be great to have that as a, another alternative to the full size one. It just, it's such a great little plane to fly. Um, you don't need as much room. And I, did you fly it when we were there at best? Cause I was flying it just in a little corner near our tent, but I think I did. Weren't you taking pictures at some point? I don't remember. Oh, of that one? But, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I haven't seen those pictures yet. But that turned oh. out really good. So another another promotion for buying another little you know off-the-shelf type kit, or in this case, a UMX, and then having fun and doing something different. Worked out great. Or you know, when your favorite model crashes, pull the gear out and build your own thing. Yep. Neat. Yeah. So that's what's on my workbench. Paper. And Depron. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like we've all been pretty busy with stuff. And... That's how we like it. Yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah. And speaking of rolling, I think we've uh, used up all our time this, this session. Guys, thanks for joining. And uh, good to hear from you, and we'll see you next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOF LP Las Vegas.